Today on the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast, we are throwing back to one of our most popular episodes about sleep, as today of the recording of this podcast is World Sleep Day. In the podcast, we're looking to, we look to dive into all things sleep, why it's one of the missing factors for a quality life, and things you may not realize you're doing that are negatively affecting your sleep. So jump in, learn some things, apply some things, and if you love it, share it with all your friends, but please enjoy this podcast about sleep. Remember, today's podcast is brought to you by LSKD, a Brisbane-based clothing company that we believe aligns incredibly well with our brand. Yeah, their active wear is taken over as one of the highest quality outfits on the market. And as well as that, their casual wear is next to none. I personally lived in it while I was in the UK. It's smart, it's casual, and it's stylish. So what more could you want? So from active wear to casual wear, make sure you check them out. You will also re- receive 10% off at checkout by using the code REBUILD. And by using them, you are helping us grow this podcast. And everyone is a winner, including you, because you will look fantastic. Let's get into the show. I'm James Beatty. And I'm Sean Carroll. And welcome to the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. Where do you want to start it? Um, We'll just say, welcome. Okay, and welcome to episode 41 of the Rebuild Health and Fitness Podcast. And today we're going to talk about sleep. Sleep. Pretty much everything that me and Sean, the podcast that I've done about health and wellness needs to start with a good understanding of sleep because if you don't have your sleep intact, then everything else is going to be much, 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 much harder for you. So we're going to talk on the foundations of um, sleep. We're going to talk about sort of the good, the bad, the ugly. We're going to talk about how your sleep can affect your nutrition, your adherence, your cravings towards energy density foods. We're going to talk about recovery. We're going to talk about what things negatively impact your sleep and obviously how we can improve your sleep. I know Sean is a sleep lover and loves talking about sleep, so should make for an interesting podcast. And just in all honesty, Sean, it's just a very, very, very important topic. Yeah, it's probably something that we like massively underestimate the importance of it is something that every human every sort of creature on this earth does and i think i think it's always important to note we've said this maybe a couple times on the podcast already like from an evolutionary standpoint from a survival standpoint shutting down and can be being completely vulnerable for eight hours is you know not great from a survival standpoint but for us to have that demand and need for it it must mean it's pretty bloody important like you know the importance of like sleep quality and duration for both health and you know physical performance nutritional adherence all that kind of stuff is really well documented within you know all kinds of scientific and academic literature you know from being able to reduce the you know the occurrence of common colds to reducing the risk of injury within sports but we always seem to continue to try and push our luck and always trying to see sleep less and less well we're probably the only this is probably the only time in the world ever where there's been a sleep deprivation problem yeah like this day and age because even a hundred years ago you would never have that because you'd go off the light and the dark you was no electricity so things are just getting worse and worse and then we can only see them getting a little bit worse and worse and hopefully as this research comes out people can listen and yeah 100 percent. and i think it's like gary v he used to be, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Gary Vee used yeah. to be all like, I heard this, yeah. like 
only ever sleep like three or four hours. Sleep you're when had, you're dead. Yeah, sleep when you're dead. You've only got blah, 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 blah. Only, only so much time in the day to do this and this. You only need three hours sleep. And then during the pandemic, he couldn't fly anywhere. And he actually had to sleep like six, seven hours properly. And then he came out and was like, yeah, sorry, I was I was really wrong. <laughs> I, I, he started getting stronger, started feeling better, started being more pro- actually being more productive yeah. during the day. Well, that's the thing you talk about a bit. It's like it's not... Like, people think they can survive off such short sleep. I don't need it. But there is a very, 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 very small percentage of people that can. But if you're listening to this, I can near enough guarantee that you're not in that percentage. Um, I forgot what I was going to say then. I think let's just start with testicles. (laughs) (laughs) Testicles. The Matthew Walker testicles. I think it's a good a place to start as any. Mm. Jamie's a big fan. We've got them. Like <laughs> every everyone can relate. I got I like it that much. I got two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know. So some fun facts to paint a bit of a doom and gloom picture around like why sleep is so important and why poor sleep is so detrimental. So for fellas, if you are sleeping five hours a night, or men who sleep five hours a night have significantly smaller testicles than those who sleep seven hours or more. Fact. In addition, men who routinely sleep four to five hours a night will have a testosterone uh, have a testosterone levels of someone ten years their senior. So again, a lack of sleep will age a man by a decade in terms of like using te- testosterone levels as a marker of overall health and wellness. And then again, we can see these like equivalent impairments in the female re- reproductive health caused by lack of sleep. And yeah, it doesn't really get much better than there. You know, when we are in these sleep-deprived states, memory function and learning is drastically reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that other little fun fact around? Oh, day- daylight savings. Yeah. So again, 1. this is... 1.4 billion people. 1.4 billion people are affected by daylight savings. And this is just when we switch the clock back or forward an hour. So the part, the time of the year, I know it's hard in Queensland, so I can't really relate to the other parts <laughs> of the country... But when you guys, on the day that it switches from, you know, awesome Queensland time to rest of the world, average time, we lose that hour of sleep. Then following day, there is a 24% increase in heart attacks. And there's a direct, and then increases in car crashes, suicides. Pretty much any negative health marker is shown to increase. Conversely, when we get that hour of sleep back, we can see almost the exact same reduction. Yeah, I think it's a 20% decrease. Yeah. And that's wild. Oh. And that's just that's just from one hour. And this isn't just what... This is done twice a year, every year, on 1.4 billion people. Yeah. Wild. Wild. That's an absolute wild stat. Yeah. Again, just what we spoke about so far in terms of sleep, you know, in terms of testosterone, in terms of reproduction, in terms of chances of heart attacks, you know. <laughs> sleep, man. Yeah, go on nutrition, sleep a little bit. Yeah, so I think we'll touch on nutrition and sleep. Obviously, I think sleep becomes important, and we'll touch on it a little bit later when it comes to things like recovery. But if we're just looking at the nutritional aspect, and if mm. we look at sleep and weight loss, as that is, you know, a big interest to a lot of people. So usually, one slight, one night sleep deprivation. So that's I think it was done less than five hours. Um, causes sort of hunger hormones to go up by 28%. So you're ghrelin, so you're 28% more hungry if you want to look at it like that on any day. But your satiety hormone, your leptin, decreases by 18%. So at this point, you're looking 
you're a lot more hungry than you used to and you can't seem to satisfy your cravings. Yeah, and to put that in perspective, if you had the exact same foods from the day before that allowed you to feel full and satisfied and nourished, if you have those exact same foods, exact same portions, I know which is very hard to do, but if you have that the very next day, mm. you're going to feel you're, you're gonna feel more hungry. You won't feel as satisfied from those foods. Yeah, just from yeah, a little bit lack of sleep. And then you've obviously got to look at other factors as well. Your fatigue seems a lot higher, so your expenditure energy expenditure is a lot lower you know if we're talking about uh, subconscious like energy expenditure like your non-exercise activity a big decrease in there your mood and motivation so your want to go and eat better you know your want to go out there and train and want to move is decreased you have exaggerated food rewards so you know you will look for higher calorie foods higher sugary foods higher fat foods you will look for them because your desire for energy dense food massively increases at this time yeah and I think like yeah. how many people that mid-afternoon slump we spoke about in the seminar yeah. the other day it's like oh, I've got it's two o'clock and you're like starting to really fold and then you think oh I'm gonna have this Snickers or I'm gonna have this chocolate bar that's gonna keep me going or I'll look for coffee again you know we can talk about coffee and uh, yeah. and sleep you know and that is a, a massive massive factor and that's probably a very big touching point yeah we'll circle back to that when we yeah. start getting into melatonin sleep in our sleep cycles but you know we need to understand that for even from a recovery modality standpoint that sleep is is king so when we're not sleeping optimally and not getting the most of our sleep that's why it has such a negative effect on the nutrition side of things because we are not recovering our body's not restoring itself the best it can so our body needs this extra energy it's that's why you know when we're really tired we don't want to move as much because our body's trying to save energy to help recover from the physical stresses where we're placing on it um but I think, you know, we're not going to – this is not going to be just like a doom and gloom podcast. We're going <laughs> to give you some good good takeaways. So, they're coming. You just We just put them in at the end so you hang around. <laughs> yeah, that's um, But I think, you know, the next sort of step for us is explaining like how does our body know it's time to sleep and why our general lifestyles at the moment are sort of counterproductive to that. Um, I think it's a good way – good sort of caveat to start with – you know, we are the only species on Earth that will actively avoid going to sleep. Mm. Every other species tends to, uh, you know, prioritize it. Even my dog. Naps like, galore. Naps galore. He'll just like sneak off, run away and go hide and then Leo will go find him. And yeah, he's got this thing at the moment where he loves dressing Murph in my budgie smugglers. Yeah, well, as you Sweet. go older, you know, like if you're younger, you do need a lot more sleep. You know, you look at when you've, you've obviously had a kid mm. now, Ali's, you know, Ali sleeps like three hour, two hour naps in a day and then sleeps for like 12 hours at night yeah. time. Do you know what I mean? You can see how important sleep is for overall development and then yeah, we tend huge. to need less as we go on a little bit but we still need sort of like seven to nine hours where athletes again, because they need, I don't know, more development, more recovery are told to go up again. So you get an athlete sleeping 12 hours a night if they can. Yeah, 100%. So, Oh, shit. Sorry, Kate. I'll stop saying that. <laughs> Obviously, I agree with that statement. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so, there's two main ways our body knows it's time to go to sleep. So, we, we have something called sleep pressure. So, this is where through each movement, we've spoken about this before. So, through each movement we make, we break down a molecule called APT, uh, ATP. So, adenosine triphosphate. And as a byproduct of breaking down this molecule that essentially creates a chemical reaction for energy and for movement, we get a byproduct called denizen. Denizen then builds up in the brain and the only way for us to release or expel denizen is through sleep. Now, that's as far as I, I 
as much as I know on that topic, but it's all you really need to know. So, this is why when you like you're exercising like a large amount or moving or just going for like getting like 20, 30,000 30, steps in a day, you can have a cat nap in the afternoon or why toddlers sleep so much, like why mm. kids sleep so much because they're, they're little, they're not getting that much food and then they start moving, they move a lot yeah. and that's why they need naps to release that sleep pressure. Now, the next one is probably the most important and probably the thing that's been most affected affected by modern society. So, we have our body clock. I'm sure everyone's sort of heard that term before. So, your body clock refers to your circadian rhythm and this is not like pseudoscience bullshit. This is... This is just facts, and it's becoming a lot, lot more popular with nutrition at the moment. Yeah, because it is. It's 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 such a prevalent topic that you know they're seeing how much it's negatively affecting our world. So your circadian rhythm, um, like I said, it's your body clock, and essentially it's guided by the rise and fall of the sun. So as the sun rises in the morning, we tend to get like a cortisol spike, which I know a lot of people have put in the the category of being a, a bad hormone or no. stress hormone. It's it's essential. Essential, yeah. People don't deal with stress well, but having it as part of our daily our daily lives is, is important. So as the sun rises, we get that sort of cortisol cortisol spike, um, tells us to get up and get going. Then as we expose ourselves to, you know, sunlight during the day, our body knows it's, you know, the middle of the day, It's which again we'll come back to, which is really important for melatonin production down the track. But as the sun sets, melatonin starts getting produced in the body and it sort of tells our body to start like prepping for, prepping for sleep. Um, so, again, melatonin is is a hormone that is produced and released from the uh, the penile gland and it's released into our blood bloodstream at night. And again, it's simply our body's way of telling us that it's getting tar- dark and it's time to go to sleep. Okay, This hormone helps regulate the timing of when sleep occurs by strate- strategically signaling darkness through the body, e- even though it has little influence on like sleep generation itself. So this is where people get confused and they... You know, a good a good analogy is, you know, if we imagine like a hundred meter sprint, melatonin is the starter with the the pistol, and sleep is the race. Mm. You know, you can still have the race without the pistol, but yeah. it's an important part to quality sleep. Um, so, what why this is important? So, again, just wind back a little bit. Melatonin important for sleep, but you can get to sleep with it, like not producing melatonin yeah. through sleep pressure. And this is why people tend to have like light disruptive sleep or they're waking up in the middle of the night quite a lot. So generally speaking, or not generally speaking, there are, there are four stages to a sleep cycle. So generally through a night, we'll go through maybe four to five, ideally four to five sleep cycles, each sleep cycle roughly lasting 90 minutes. Um, as part of these sleep cycles, we go through... Yeah, four stages. So we have an awake stage, a light stage of sleep, our slow wave sleep, and our REM sleep. So your slow wave sleep and your REM sleep are your sort of deeper, more restorative stages of sleep. The most important part. This is where like the magic happens within our body, uh, and this is what melatonin is important for. So producing melatonin allows us to get into these deeper restorative stages that are crucial for recovery and just optimal health. So we think we see the light stage of sleep as a bit more of like a transitionary period because it's not just like we go to sleep and we're deep sleep. It takes time to 
ebb and flow between them. But it is your largest portion of sleep is your light sleep. 100%. Like when people come in and, you know, we'll have a look at Whoop or have a look at um, like their watches, they'll think they're sleeping terribly because they've got four hours of light sleep and only like an hour and a half REM or an hour yeah. and a half slow wave. But they'll go, oh, sleeping so bad. It's like you, you're not. Like the majority is spent in light sleep. Yeah. And Probably why is- it's so important to get your deep sleep. Yeah, the, again, the way the way your sleep cycles are sort of banked. Now, we don't know why this is. There's probably some people a lot smarter than us who, who do. But we need to see like the hours before midnight are crucially important for your slow wave sleep. So your slow wave sleep is uh, really, really important for helping our body recover from the physical stress we place upon it, like helping your body recover from training like... Yeah, like training, work stress, all, all that kind of stuff. Whereas REM sleep, which gets banked towards the earlier hours of the morning, is more for like cognitive function, short-term, yeah, short-term memory, um, anything that's more like brain brain health. Um, and again, your body is always going to prioritize your brain health over your yeah over your actual body, okay? Because without the brain, your body's useless anyway. So generally during these sleep cycles, we'll see... You know, you go through a light stage and then we may see, if it's the hours before midnight, we'll see like a slow, a larger slow wave brain brain waves, which is how they sort of measure it. Um, and then you might have a little bit of REM. Conversely, in the early hours of the morning, you might have a little bit of slow wave and mm-hmm. a bit more REM. So, where we run into trouble. So, if we're not producing enough melatonin at the, the right amount of time, we will go to sleep. Say we go to bed at like 9 o'clock, but you've just finished watching TV or the last thing you're doing is staring at your phone. So, artificial light it has a really, really detrimental effect on melatonin reduction. Like, we won't go, oh, we got time. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's our podcast, everyone. mate. Yeah, do yeah. whatever you want. Do whatever you want. So, blue light is part of like the visible light spectrum. You know, we get blue light from from the sun apart from green light, ultraviolet, ultraviolet light, red light, you know, pretty much all the color spectrum of the rainbow. So, but blue light in a concentrated form pretty much tells our brain it's midday. Okay? When it's midday, we don't need melatonin. Melatonin is not needed to be, be produced. So, this is where people think that they don't have a problem sleeping because they can fall asleep straight away looking at their phone. But you haven't started producing melatonin. So, you stay in a light stage of sleep for maybe like yeah, three, four, maybe, yeah, generally about three or four hours. And then you, people tend to wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, oh, fuck, yeah. what's what's happened? I can't really get back to sleep. And then at that stage, it's dark enough, unless they've picked up their phone again Yeah, I was going to say that, just to see what the time is. Just to oh. see what the, yeah, boom. Um, so, they hopefully you haven't picked up your phone. Let's say for argument's sake you haven't. You start, then your body starts then producing melatonin. But because there's only a limited amount of time left within the night... Your body is not going to go back and bank slow wave sleep. It's going to prioritize on REM sleep, mm. and because you know you might only get through two, maybe yeah, maybe two more sleep cycles within that night, and your alarm goes off at say five thirty, people tend to wake up in their deepest stage of sleep. So they wake up feeling really, really groggy because their body they still want to be asleep, which is why you know. If you're waking up really sore after a big workout, you know, you've probably missed a really good opportunity to recover from that previous day. Because again, your body is always going to prioritize your brain health over the physical natures of what's required to heal your body. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, evolution. 
Yeah, evolution. Brain brain is, you know, we're going to be like little sentient beings one day and <laughs> yeah. we're just going to be brains anyway, so yeah. We've got to look after got to look after our brain. But you can see even with the with the blue light just anecdotally, it's like if you all the lights are on in your house and you're watching telly and stuff, you can stay awake, but as soon as like say even if you're watching telly alone but all it's dark in your room, you tend to become tired a lot more. If there's dim lights on, you tend to become a lot more tired. Do you know yeah. I mean when you're reading a book? Well, you look look at camping for example. Yeah, like people go camping, and I know it's probably a bit different now because everyone goes, everyone's got like super crazy LED lights, and um, everyone's staring at their phones anyway. But used to be like you know, come nighttime, people make a fire, everyone goes to bed at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, or generally pretty much when it gets dark because everyone's just so tired. Um, they wake up in the morning when the sun rises. Like, oh, we mm. went to bed so early last mm. night. And it's like, well, that's how things used to be. We're not yeah. meant to be awake at night. Um, we're not nocturnal creatures. Um, so, yeah, and we've pretty much created an environment where we 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 can be up all night. And it's so detrimental to our health. Like the – I think there is a – what is it? 40% – what were you saying earlier about the um, the shift workers? It's pretty like people who have their circadian rhythm so routinely yeah. disrupted have a ten to fifteen year shorter life expectancy. Now, again, that's shift workers are a crucial part of society. Yeah. It just you know, bravo to you. Thanks for taking one for the yeah. for the team. But it's been put on like a yeah, it's been classified now as a carcinogenic yeah. to work as a night shift worker. Yeah, which is quite scary. You know, and I have Definitely. a lot of clients that are night shift workers. They are midwives or they are nurses or they may work in factories. And, you know, when talking about their nutrition, you do have to be careful. You do have to have them, like chrononutrition, make them eating around their regular times. Because yeah. if they just change everything, like you said, their circadian rhythms out, everything is just, yeah, they're destroyed. Yeah. And again, I cannot stress enough. If you're someone listening to this right now and being like, oh, I can watch TV right up until I go to bed and stare at my phone and it has no effect on my sleep. Bullshit. 100% bullshit. You have adapted to feeling like shit. You don't know what good sleep feels like because you've gone however many years having crap sleep. And that is just the, yeah, cold, hard yeah. truth. All right. We can give um, some We can give some blue light tips out now. Yeah. We'll save our big tips for the end. But Yeah. So, some factors or some things you can do to help reduce your like blue light exposure at night. Again, it comes down to probably a little bit of discipline and just some awareness around it. I think once you become aware that you know, artificial light and all that, like TV phones can be detrimental to your health, I think it you know it is a little bit ignorant if you just ignore it. Obviously, there's time and a place where you know you may go out with friends and all that kind of stuff, but I think over time you need to link some better days together. So um, on iPhones and anyone who, weird who has a Samsung, they, there is something called night shift mode. Um, so you can set set this into your settings and or just go into settings and type in night shift show in the in the um in the search button and you can pretty much set a I have mine on mine on all day, but you can set it as a little daily daily reminder that or sort of daily function where say at six thirty PM your phone will get this sort of orangey tinge to it where it re- massively reduces the blue light exposure uh, coming out of the phone. Which again, you know, just it's one of those things you can try it and I guarantee it'll be, 
you'll, you'll feel the difference, especially looking at it in a dark room. It's way less intense on the eyes. It's not as stimulating. It's not as bright. Um, you can then take that again a step further where you can turn your phone red, red which is pretty cool. I, again, this is one of the things that Apple and Samsung are, you know, have identified as being a negative or having a negative effect on health and they're trying to like save their ass on it. So, they're putting these sort of filters in there to help negate some of the negative effects of blue light. So, if you just search in Google how to turn my iPhone red, um, it will show you how to create this shortcut where I pretty much just... Three clicks on the phone. Yeah, three clicks on the... The the side button of your phone if you're an iPhone 12, or three clicks on the home button if you're still living in the past and have a phone phone with a home button, it will turn your phone red. And again, it's not Kate, unless you set it up as a shortcut, it's not going yeah. to be there. It's not just going to happen. Yeah. So because obviously red light is a is a, is better, but it's I think relaxing. It, yeah, and I think it's um stimulates recovery. Just being sensible here when you are going to bed, it might just be like just limit your phone half an hour before bed. Make sure yeah. that your your room is dark or whatever. Um, or look, look, it pretty much if you're still looking at your phone before you go to bed, putting a red light or an orange light filter on it is going to be <laughs> like yeah. better than if it wasn't there. I tried getting Jess to change our light bulbs in our bedroom to red and she was not having it. She's like, I'm not having my fucking room looking like a brothel. I was like, listen, it's good live for our health. Live a little. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, we got, we got, um, we got, because like before Leo was born, I was like, all right, you know, you hear all these horror stories about sleep. It's like one thing I'm 100% going to do is prioritize my sleep like environment. I'm going to make sure I do all the little things I can do. So, even if I'm having disrupted light sleep, which with a newborn is guaranteed, I'm going to ensure the time I do get is of quality. So, I've got like dimmers in our house. Mm-hmm. So, rather than having these like super bright LEDs, don't you turn your nose up at me, Kate. You know, <laughs> you drive a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I got like as compared to like these super bright white lights, again, we just turn it down a little yeah. bit. And yeah, you get this sort of nice orange glow. Because remember when we were growing up, we didn't have LED lights. We had like those filament light bulbs where it used to have that sort of wire in it, mm. filament that glowed. Whereas now we don't have those. And they were they were, they were much better for our sleep, uh, sleep quality because they gave off more of like that orangey tinge. Um, not such strong hits of blue light that we get from yeah. LED LED lights. So that's one factor you can do. You can also just like turn keep your house a little bit darker as you sort of go to go to bed. Just try to limit your exposure as best you can. Um there are some blue light blocking glasses that you can wear at night. I've found them to be really effective. The people I've recommend them to um have noticed a big difference as well. I had, uh, they're I, like yeah. pretty expensive. They're not oh not overly expensive. You can get them cheaper, but then you really gotta think what's the glasses doing. Yeah. You know? I think Again, not sponsored, but if they're listening, um, Blue Blocks that they're sort of a evidence-based company that sort of has proven the effic- efficacy of their glasses and that it actually one hundred percent reduces blue light. Yeah. Um, again, you put them on and try stay awake watching a movie. Like, oh, you've got su- the hundred percent. Yeah. Blocks. It's super. It's super annoying when I'm watching a movie at night on the weekend because mm. the one time I watch TV is sometimes like I watch I watch the, the rugby on the weekends and I'm like out and it fucking mm. sucks because then I wait. Yeah. So there's pros and cons to everything. I want to watch the rugby but I fall asleep. And someone who's 
wanted to be ignorant to this for quite a long time. You know, ignorance is bliss and I'll survive. Obviously, I tracked my sleep with a whoop in, not sponsored by whoop, but if you listen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, you know, I tracked my sleep properly for about 12 months, maybe 18 months. And obviously in that time I did do the lights. I did the yeah, blue blockers. It, it's a game changer. You can see your REM increase. You can see your slow wave in sleep. The quality of your sleep becomes so much deeper when you don't have lights hitting your eyes before bed. Yeah. When you do have a controlled environment going to bed. This plays a massive role. And then, you know, ultimately, obviously, the quality of your sleep will dictate how you re- are recovered, you know, yeah. physically, mentally. You know, and you can wake up after having a really big sleep. Even if you have short hours sometimes, you can have really deep sleep and wake up feeling feeling great yeah, feeling pretty good alternatively obviously alcohol caffeine again which we'll go into yeah, hit you, it. you can you know 10 12 hours sometimes sleep and you wake up and you've fucked you got nothing yeah do you know what i mean um hit what caffeine yeah caffeine Ca- caffeine's a, a big one obviously uh, a very natural occurring stimulant it is a widely used drug if you want to call it if you if you want to call it that it's it's legal and we drink it every day and it's my favorite substance to pass my mouth. I live and love coffee as a, a lot of other people do that are listening and the majority of us look at coffee to survive. I know yeah. we use it as a bit of a joke, like, oh, I can't function without my coffee, but realistically, majority of us come fairly dependent on it and I'm dependent. I tried to go, I think it was like a month ago, I was coaching in the morning and decided not to get a cof- coffee because I was having this other supplement. Worst decision of my whole entire life, placebo or not, it was... Um, it was terrible. Yeah, you're not meant to be around. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and then, um, so when you are obviously drinking caffeine, we have to be careful um, what time we're having it because of the absorption rate and the half-life of caffeine. And we spoke about it on the supplements podcast, but... That's when you're looking at sports performance. This is at everyday use. So when you drink caffeine, it has a 45-minute absorption rate. So the time that you drink it, you're not getting the effects of it anyway, bar a placebo, for about 45 minutes, okay? At that point as well, so regardless of, I mean, um, so 45-minute absorption rate and then a half-life of four to six hours. And what I mean by that is if you have, say, 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is around two espresso shots, okay, round it up, at 6 a.m., at 12 p.m., you could possibly still have 100 milligrams of caffeine in your system. At 6 p.m., you could possibly still have 50 milligrams of caffeine. At midnight then, you could possibly still have 25 milligrams of caffeine. So you see how caffeine affects your sleep, okay? Just everything that sort of Sean just spoke about. Mm. We're having caffeine in the morning and then we're topping up with usually another another dose. So now some of us are trying to go to sleep with 100 to 200 milligrams of caffeine in our system. And it's exactly, again, what Sean spoke about in terms of, oh, I can fall to sleep perfectly after I've had a coffee. It's like, yeah, but you can fall to sleep perfectly, but I can guarantee you're not sleeping deeply or I can guarantee you're going to wake up through that sleep. Yeah, and same can be said for alcohol as well. Like, it's some people, this is where we get in trouble. Some people use, like, alcohol as a, a chance for them to wind down mm. um, to help them get to sleep, a bit of a nightcap. But... Again, like like caffeine, alcohol disrupts the process of melatonin occur, occurring naturally within the body. Um, so your body's gonna you're gonna get to sleep, but again, you're gonna spend more time in these lighter stages of sleep. Um, and you're not. That's why after a big night, even if you sleep like eight, nine, ten hours, in addition to the hangover, yeah, you, you're still so tired the next day. Well, you look at what alcohol does. It might just go on a little bit off topic with sleep now, but. 
like with alcohol, for example, you can see yourself if you rack up big enough hours sleep, you're going to rack up some sort of deep sleep, right? During yeah. this, if you you know, I've had ten pints, I'm going to sleep what I believe is fairly deeply. But even when you wake up in the morning, you know your HRV is like rock bottom. My resting heart rate goes from forty six around forty six to around seventy. Yeah, you're just working so hard. So imagine how stressed the stress state my body is in while I'm sleeping to try and recover. My heart rate goes up by twenty beats per minute during this time. Yeah, and I think that's going to positively Crazy. impact. Crazy man, crazy. And again, that's not like we're not perfect by any means. Oh, I, I, I love <laughs> coffee. And I, coffee. And I, yeah, I love coffee. I'm having one right now. It's in my hand, and I we drink alcohol, and we have kids, and we understand that. Um, Everyday life happens, but if we yeah. can just do little things to improve our sleep, it, it's it's going to go a long way, and it should be in our thoughts at all times. Like, I love, I'm not one of these people that try and fight my sleep. Like, I love sleep. Yeah. I sometimes wake up in the morning and go, oh, I can't wait to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what time can I get to sleep tonight? Ooh, yeah. But Matthew Walker says as well, you know, we have an alarm clock for the morning a lot of time, but we don't have an alarm clock to tell us to go to bed. Yeah. I've started putting my sleep in my calendar, like what time go I'm going to gonna go to sleep and you know what time i'm i'm gonna get up as well because as he said with that 24-hour clock which i've i've never seen too much literature on this but he reckons there's some stuff now to say like deep 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 down inside your brain there's like a there's a 24-hour clock in there to some and obviously you've got circadian rhythm yeah. but your body understands time to some extent when it comes to sleep yeah our body's crazy <laughs> our body is crazy um so i guess some other things to keep in mind now as much as this sucks to hear, it is true. You cannot bank sleep. Yeah. Your body can create a more of a demand for REM sleep, which is, you know, just shows how important it is, which is why you can have like micro naps when you're, when you're driving um, if you've been in such a sleep deprived state for so long. But you can, like if you have like four hours one night and have 12 hours the next night, it doesn't even out. Mm. You can't, yeah, you can't bank sleep, unfortunately. Um. Yeah, some other things, probably the two main things to help sleep we believe to be most important and agreed on by people way smarter than us um, is creating a regular regular bedtime routine and sticking to it. So if you're currently been going to bed at like 11.30, 12 o'clock and you're like, oh shit, these guys are geniuses. I'm going to listen to what they say and try to go to bed earlier. It's going to be tough. It takes a little bit of time for your body to adjust because we're creatures of habit, right? So, it if you want to go to bed at nine thirty, just start your create a bedtime routine around always going to bed at nine thirty. Um, and if you have a night out every now and then, just make sure the next day you're trying to get back into that same routine. Um, and again, this is like this is a really important one for people who perhaps have a bit of anxiety or insomnia about like when they go to bed and they. They go to bed and they just lay lay awake uh, for so long. Just get up, get up and go to another room until you start to feel tired again, and then go back to bed. Because we need to associate the bed with um, with sleep. Yeah, it just needed for yeah. Your bed bedroom should be for two things: sleeping and shagging. <laughs> like if you're staring on your phone all the time or watching TV, then you have you have another room for that. Go go watch go watch TV in another room. Look at your phone yeah. in another room. But when you're in bed. Bed is for sleep. So Matthew Walker talks about Matthew Walker. Uh, we might touch on him at the end because obviously we do use a lot of stuff we speak about is from Matthew Walker. Uh, Matthew Walker is 
an expert in sleep. Yeah. He's got a book, Why We Sleep. He's got TED Talks. He's he's great. But he says about 25 minutes. Yeah. It's like, where's this, where's this cut off to when I should get out of bed? He's like, if you're struggling to sleep and you're 25 minutes into it, yeah, they, then sort of go away and do some other stuff and maybe wait 25 minutes and then maybe try and come back to bed again. Yeah, there are some breathing exercises that I found um, have helped some clients as well. Just to clear that, like people go to bed and their head's like, especially if you've been staring at your phone, your, your head's real busy, your thoughts are racing around everywhere because um, it's probably the first time in the day that you've actually stopped and you haven't been trying to stimulate yourself. Um, so box breathing, spoken about it before, it's just a good way to downregulate and sort of distract yourself um, or get your, yeah, bring your attention to relaxing. So it's just simply counting your breaths. So, or yeah, counting your breaths. So how we want to do it, we want to do like a three to four second exhale, just smoothly, then a three to four second inhale, hold for three to four Again, and then just repeat that and exhale again, holding at the end of that exhale. Um, and again, anytime you use something pops in your head or you distract yourself, just bring your attention back to your breath. Yeah. Um, or another one is simply counting counting your, your breath. So in and out is one and you're trying to get to 10. But anytime something pops into your head, start again. Way harder than what you think. Yeah, it's n- near impossible. Near impossible. Because <laughs> generally, if you, if you do it right, you'll be out. Because you get excited, you like counting to it, and you're like, I'm nearly there. And you're like, damn, damn, I've still got something else. I've got to start again. Uh, another tip is obviously keeping the temperature cool. cool. So your body needs to drop their, its core temperature by about one degree Celsius to fall to sleep. Um, so that's why you always find it obviously a lot easier getting to sleep in a cool room than you do a hot room. I mean, there's nothing more stressful than trying to get to sleep when it's hot. Yeah. Like, and they reckon the perfect temperature to sleep in is about 18 degrees Celsius. So. I love that. I go sixteen. I'm. I go You're hardcore. I like sixteen. I wanna like want to wake up go freezing. But I yeah, I love it. Yeah, I generally go. Well, I'm on twenty two degrees at the moment. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in summer I'll go eighteen, sixteen all year round. And when I'm hot, like obviously people won't understand this, but I'm usually quite a relaxed soul. But then when it's hot and you just start like booting your covers and stuff in the air and just start getting agitated and it's like sweaty and. Yeah. Or when you go on holiday, but there's like no aircon. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's like an evolutionary thing as well. When we go, we go sleep somewhere else that's not familiar with us. We have, we tend, we or we do, we have a lighter night's sleep because mm. our body's a bit more on edge. Yeah. Um, ready for the unknown kind of thing. <laughs> In the five star hotel, yeah, ready yeah. for the unknown. Who's gonna, <laughs> who's gonna come? True. Kate knows all about it. No Porsches. <laughs> Porsches. Yeah, See that Porsche. plural? She got a coffee cup with Porsche on as well. Obviously, keep it dark. Yeah, keeping your room dark. Again, that's just re- helping reinforce your body's natural circadian rhythms and your body clock. So, it's just, yeah, doing the little things. Okay, if there's two main takeaways, it's regular bedtime routine and keeping your bedroom cool. Like, they will help the most with good quality sleep or making improvements to, yeah, what you've currently been doing. Obviously, we spoke about as well, just caffeine and alcohol. You know, you do want to try and limit this. Um, we have a rule of thumb that I use with the majority of my clients if possible. It's like, and I try and use with myself, it's like no caffeine after midday. I mean, people do some damage in the morning, including myself. I'll usually yeah. have two, possibly three espressos. I had three on Wednesday, didn't I? I was I crashed. Uh, <laughs> um, but just try and limit your caffeine intake. Let's stop it at midday. And again, we've just done this sort of anti-challenge and and. You know, she is someone that drinks coffee in the afternoon. Her cutoff was midday. Mm. And mag- and a, one of her other habits she wanted to improve was not going on her phone at nighttime. But magically, 
as she's cut down caffeine, not after midday. She was never on a phone at nighttime because she wasn't waking up. Yeah. Magic. With the caffeine, though, is it, does it matter about having it, this, the volume of it then? Because if you have six throughout the day and you just have them closer together with the half-life. I don't know if you can hear Jamie speaking on the podcast right there, but she's just <laughs> asking. If, if not, sorry for the 20 seconds of awkward silence. I think it's just the, the sheer amount. So if you had 600 milligrams of caffeine in the morning, you would still have the half-life keeping on. But if you have it later on in the afternoon, then you just that half-life is just going to be stronger and stronger and realistically how much caffeine can one tolerate yeah just have some more water people. in the morning and if you're like i have three coffees in the morning or four coffees but you have pods you don't have caffeine in the morning yeah you have <laughs> don't come here with your instant coffee stuff all right because i don't want to hear it unless you're talking double shots of espresso listen unless you're yeah unless you're a bloody barista making it at home like myself and james <laughs> yeah that's it that's it um yeah. the final tip is probably just having a wind down routine you yeah. know, that might be like rounding up everything that we've spoke about. That might be making sure that your bedroom is dark. That might be turning off your telly half an hour before you want to go to bed. It might be doing some box breathing. It may be really relaxing before you actually get into bed. Yeah. Um, like stop swapping on Tinder at 7.30. You know, you've, already t- com- you've already completed it for the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no new single people in your area. Don't put your scope out to like 500 miles to see who's out <laughs> there in old Taiwan or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and it. And then, um, yeah, like turn TV off at like eight thirty, chill. Yeah, there's bedtime routine. It can be super, super handy. And yeah. most people have their little routine. It's just like, what can you do to make it a little bit better to improve your sleep? Yeah, sleep is a sort of a a physiological process. So it's much more similar to landing a plane. So it, it takes your um, takes time for your brain to gradually descend down from the firm bedrock of a good sleep. So the last 20 minutes or half an hour or even an hour, disengage from your computer or your phone and try something relaxing. Find whatever works for you and when you've found it, just stick. Just stick to it. It, it goes a hell of a long way. And I know sometimes, you know, we speak about the research and the science now, but if you can interpersonal aspect, like mm. I slept with a TV in my room for probably 25 years. Like it's how I got to sleep for years. Yeah. Do you know I mean? Because... I wouldn't say after, not not anxiety, but anxious sometimes yeah. before before bed. So if I have the TV on to something in my brain, I don't have to concentrate and I gradually just yeah. fall asleep. But someone that's over the last few years actually sorted its sleep out, you know, it goes a hell of a long way. Obviously, we understand, yeah, people have children and things are different. You yeah, just so. have to be mindful about these situations. Like, you, know, you, you say it well. Yeah, I was just going to, we should really touch on this before the parents attack us um yeah we know shit comes up and you can't control your quality of sleep all the time but you can control your sleep behaviors so you can do lots of little things consistently that can give yourself the best chance possible to have a good night's sleep rather than just like throwing in the towel and going fuck it you know i'll just go on my phone stare at the tv wait like just deal with the kids when they lock up turn all lights on when they wake up it's like no yeah. You can you can be a little bit better around that. And like creating any new routines and trying new things, it, it, it takes time. So don't try it like one night and then be like, oh, it didn't work. Yeah, but, but sleep is like a superpower. Yeah. You know, if if you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, struggles with weight loss, maybe struggles mentally, physically, recovery, like the thing that we should look for, the two things that I will look for first is sleep and hydration. Yeah. If your sleep quality improves, 
you will be quality of your smarter. life improves. Yeah. yeah. Every everything gets easier. You'll be smarter, you'll deal with stress better, you'll train better, you'll recover better, which will mean you'll get stronger faster. You improve better as an athlete. Um, your decision making around foods and diets is that much easier. Yeah. Like sleep better makes everything yeah. so much better. And as a parent sometimes you you know, you're so anal about your children's sleep mm. that you're like, Oh no, what's going on? They're so anal about it, but yeah, you don't look after don't look after your own. Yeah. You know, it's if you have better sleep, let's go as far <laughs> you can you can be a better uh, a better quality person. Yeah. As in like I'm not saying you're better, but you will be personally a better version of yourself with more sleep. Yeah. You can walk around like me and James and be like, We're better than you and we know because we sleep. I, I sleep. I'd always sleep more. Yeah. I'd always sleep more when I have my 20 beers tomorrow. I probably won't sleep too well. But again, this is Finding Balance. Go back to the Balance podcast. Balance, people. <laughs> there we go. Anything else, Sean? No. I'm glad we finally, we've, <laughs> we've been saying we'll talk about a, do a sleep code podcast for ages. Kate's always like, hey, did you sleep one this week? We're like, yes, Kate. We've done finally, it, Kate. we've done it now. Get we've, off our back. We've, we've done it. <laughs> we've done it. Well, again, thank you very much for listening. I keep, I keep saying I'm going to, at the beginning, tell people to... Uh, like and subscribe and yeah, no do all that stuff at, at the beginning everyone's like alright the podcast finished it's not finishing two extra tips now yeah. for sleep follow Sean on Instagram yeah. <laughs> coach Sean underscore rebuild My and si- actually if you've made it this far can you actually like message me I'm super curious <laughs> probably no message me <laughs> so everyone's gone myself at coach James underscore rebuild or the gym at rebuild health and fitness but again if you can share this with someone sleep is so 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 important it is the bedrock that everything else should be built up on but again thank you very much for listening we hope you took something away and we'll see you next week